Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Hugh at Home, I'm Tracy Koga. Today it's about activism, education, and following your dreams. I'll sit down in a special conversation with Akila Newton. She's the founder of Big Dreamers. And let's just say that she is creating a whole new wave of education for our BIPOC community. It is always nice to bring together people, but also more importantly, to learn about what people are doing across the country. So it is my pleasure and honor to welcome Akila Newton to Hugh at Home. And yeah, you're uh, in beautiful Montreal. And I am so jealous because I do love Montreal. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me. Okay, well, you know what? You have a very, very interesting story, I, I think, Akila. And we'll get later on into like the work you do, but uh, humanitarian, philanthropist, uh, activist, uh, you name it, all of those titles fit you. So tell us a little bit about who Akila Newton is. Yeah, so my background essentially is in arts, music, and entertainment management. In 2003, I took the leap and I moved from Montreal to Liverpool, England, and I attended the Liverpool Institute for Performing Arts and earned a bachelor's degree in entertainment management. And it was when I moved back to Montreal, I was doing some work within the industry and I managed a few youth performing arts schools. Um, and I had a light bulb that went off in my head that made me realize, you know, these are really great programs for young kids, but not all families can afford to send their kids to these after school programs because they can be costly. So because I've been in the arts for so long, I also have a twin brother who's a professional actor. So I have a network of actors and, and musicians and dancers that I've been working with for so many years. I decided that I wanted to, you know, gather all of my networks together and start an organization uh, to be able to make the arts accessible to youth from any socio on, uh, socioeconomic background. So I founded a nonprofit organization called Overture with the Arts in 2009 and since then over 65,000 youth have taken part in our in-school and after-school programs and I, I really wanted to keep kids engaged and create in a safe and positive environment so that's part of what I do. <laughs> <laughs> and then what is the other part? Yeah so it was actually through my nonprofit organization that I decided okay you know what the arts is really a powerful tool to bring people together and unite communities I really want to place an emphasis on arts for social change so within that vein 
uh, we decided to uh, spearhead a Black History Month school tour where the main focus was on Canadian Black history. Because oftentimes what schools were doing during Black History Month is they're doing very little and the little that they were doing focused on the heavy hitters in America. So Martin Luther King Jr., Rosa Parks, Civil Rights Movement, all incredibly important uh, to discuss. However, we've got phenomenal people here in Canada like Viola Desmond, Jean Augustine, Willie O'Ree, and I wanted to share those stories. So it was by having a network of schools that I had already worked with uh, that I was able to launch this Black History Month school tour. And by talking to actually teachers and staff, uh, teachers and students, sorry, uh, I realized that, you know what, there actually were not a lot of resources available uh, to be able to, to teach Black history, specifically Canadian Black history. So a light bulb went off in my head. I realized that, you know, I'd been going into these schools for so many years, teaching specifically about Canadian Black history. I had a wealth of knowledge already. So I decided that I was going to write a book. <laughs> so in 2018, my first book came out, which is this one. Big Dreamers, the Canadian Black History Activity Book for Kids, Volume 1. And it's essentially an alphabet with 26 phenomenal trailblazing Black Canadians. It shares their stories and it talks about Black history in each province and territory. And it makes it really fun for kids to, to learn about history because there's coloring opportunities on each page. There's fun activities at the end of the book. And due to the popularity of volume one uh, and the demand, a lot of schools were saying, oh my God, we love this so much. I decided to come out with Big Dreamers volume two. <laughs> and it just has been, you know, snowballing from there. So that's essentially what I do in a nutshell. I, I work with the community and I do a lot of activism and I'm just really passionate about sharing stories about Canadian black history. This is like so incredible. I guess for you, Akila, what has been the feedback from the kids on, you know, being exposed to this, all of this? Well, a lot of kids are just so excited to hear these stories. And, and what I've noticed is a lot of young black children will say, you know, these people look like me. I've never heard these stories. We don't actually hear about this in school. And they're just really grateful that they could finally hear stories about people that look like them that they can look up to. Um, and a lot of parents actually tell me when they're sitting down and reading the book with their children and doing the activities that they're learning a lot as well. And I know that educators and schools are also really grateful that they now have, you know, these new resources available and it just simplifies things for them when they're, you know, doing activities during Black History Month and beyond the month of February. Oh, you know, and just what you said just resonates so clearly with not only the black community, but it's our own indigenous community, the newcomers that are coming to Canada too as well as that, I think, and let's talk about this, the whole curriculum of history, I think clearly needs to change. Absolutely, I know here at least in Quebec that the history curriculum is very whitewashed um, and a lot of parents uh, have basically been protesting to make a change because it's not a comprehensive and inclusive history uh, that includes Indigenous history, that includes Black history. Uh, it just includes, you know, European, French, white history, which is not inclusive of, you know, Canada, which is, which is a cultural mosaic. So I hope that there will be change in the near future, but I know that parents are basically fed up of, of hearing these one-sided stories. And do you think with, you know, you devising this curriculum on your own, 
it really bodes well for like homeschooling, which we saw an insurgence of, right? Uh, yeah. During COVID and people in lockdown and, and who knows? I mean, there might be a change. I really hope so. And as you mentioned with homeschool, I mean, during the beginning of the pandemic in the summer of 2020, when so many people were home, well, actually, sorry, in the spring of 2020, I should say, uh, when so many people were home, I did have a lot of uh, homeschool parents that reached out to me. And also when we saw a global uprising in support of the Black Lives Matter movement, mm -hmm. because there were you know, so many, unfortunately, horrific stories of Black people being murdered, like George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, people were really more open to digest this information and learn more about, you know, the Black community and the Black experience. So I definitely did see uh, a spike in sales, and a lot of people were just hungry to learn uh, these stories that they've never heard. Mm -hmm. And let's kind of switch gears and talk about Overture, uh, the music side of it. And you're saying how many, you know, kids now had uh, been exposed to music. I guess, too, your takeaway from that, and we all know how important the arts and culture are, but when, it's, when you see kids for the first time touching an instrument or making or singing using their voices, it's yeah. pretty incredible. It really is. And I mean, I could think back to youth that have been in our program where the first day you see they're very shy and reserved and kind of off to the side. And by week eight of the program, they're singing loudly and boldly and they want solos. And they're really proud that they were able to learn the song and hit that note. And it's just such a beautiful thing to see. Um, and it's just the pride that they have. And being a part of that is just such an incredible feeling. And I'm going to talk about that with you. And if you can answer, you know, quite frankly, and in your opinion, uh, are the doors open now for people of color, you know, BIP BIPOC communities to, you know, engage in any type of music or in any kind of, um, I guess, jobs in the music industry? Or is it still predominantly white? I think we are seeing a shift, but it is predominantly white still. Um, but I do know that in the art sector and the entertainment sector that executives are more open to hearing stories from BIPOC communities because they've been called out now for so many years and people are demanding change. So I have noticed that there are more series, for example, on CBC that share the BIPOC experience. I've noticed that I hear more on the radio that are by Black artists or Indigenous artists. So that is nice to see. But a big problem still is that a lot of the executives that are running these companies and making these decisions are white males. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, and there you go. Uh, <laughs> I know. What I guess what is your uh, takeaway, again, if I can use that word, I, I don't want to use that. What have you learned through this whole experience of creating these organizations and, you know, the day-to-day -day grind? Because it is work. I mean, they all sound incredibly amazing, but it needs a person to run it. Absolutely. And I guess what I always have learned is that you know, if I don't find my way in through the front door, go through the side door, go through the back door. I just don't take no for the an for an answer because I know these stories and these programs are very important. And until, you know, more youth are able to benefit from it, I'm going to keep, you know, plowing forward to make sure that everybody's going to listen to me. <laughs> okay. Um, before we wrap up, because we are going to have a second part of this conversation, where can people go to get Big Dreamers? 
or any kind of the curriculum that you see here in, in my beautiful shot? Yeah, so to get any of my books, or I even have games and sticker sheets, you can visit my website, which is bigdreamers.ca. Perfect. Well, stay right there, Akila, and folks, stay right there too as well. We'll come back. I want to talk about the future. We talked a briefly about Black Lives Matter and all the things that are happening in the world. Where does Big Dreamers fit in, and how can it holistically help our next generation, which are the kids? So coming up next, though, we have a great idea for all of you parents. We're heading into spring break here in Winnipeg, Manitoba. I would suggest going to the hive. And no, it's not about bees and honey. So here's our profile on Winnipeg local business, the hive. My name is Corey, I'm the managing partner of The Hive in Winnipeg. So The Hive is a climbing and fitness facility, so we're bouldering only, which means no ropes or harnesses, we use mats for protection. And with that, we set boulder problems on the wall where you're gonna be climbing routes uh, that are different colors and encourage you to problem solve and kind of figure out how to move your body through space and gives you a bunch of different options to try of all abilities. It, it takes disciplined, uh, self-discipline to, to, to take on some of these feats, you know, uh, just looking around at the different walls, there, it's, 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 a, it's a lot of fun. I love it, like I'm still a beginner, but uh, like I, if, I could, if I had the time to get out here more often, I'd be here every, every night. So climbing is great because it has a little bit of social, physical and mental aspects to it. So uh, that problem solving aspect is a big component, it's like a physical puzzle. Um, but it also creates like a bit of a social community where you're working with uh, the people nearby to figure out how to get through it. Uh, and it's great for your health uh, mentally and physically in that sense. Well, the four pillars of our business are climbing, education, health and wellness and community and those aspects all kind of come together to create like a five-star climbing experience uh, by working in that social, mental and physical realm to, to work together in that activity that's a little bit beyond that traditional fitness. I, I'd say if you're looking for a good time, um, if you're looking to, to challenge yourself or if you're looking to just hang out and, and be around uh, friends and family, um, it's, it's a very warm place to be and, and it, it can be exciting.
Welcome back to Hewitt Home. My special guest is Akila Newton. She is the founder of Big Dreams, and Big Dreams is the topic. We all know what's happening in our world today, and hey, we're trying to get back to normal after two years of living in an unprecedented pandemic and dealing with COVID. So, Akila, a question to you. The future, what can we do to move ahead and ensure that our children, the, the future leaders of our country and how we live, will have, first of all, I guess, a safe world, but second of all, the tools to succeed. Yeah, I mean, I personally think that we need more activists uh, having their voices heard. Uh, we need activists to go to school board meetings. We need activists to go to, you know, whatever city council meetings that you have on a municipal or provincial or federal level uh, and ensure that, you know, um, your requests are being heard and your requests are being moved forward. Uh, we need activists that are creating these resources like big dreamers that are going to educate future generations uh, and teach them and inspire them. Uh, so we just need people to be, you know, really loud and active to ensure that these stories uh, are being shared and to be to ensure that there's more you know equitable opportunities for for BIPOC youth. Do you can well you obviously consider yourself an activist correct? Activist? Somewhat. <laughs> Somewhat. Okay so well, let's talk about the word activist and people hear that and they go oh like you know they think right away cuckoo or you know <laughs> or you know you don't you don't want to associate with that person but I mean, your last, your, just your answer there, it is so right. How do we get our voices heard without having the negativity associated mm -hmm. with it? And I see activism as such a positive thing. I see it as mm -hmm. people being active in their community. I mean, I mean, yes, there are those, you know, people that are out there that are, are not really doing activism in the most positive way and the most effective way. But that's such a small percentage of people that are out there that are really trying to affect positive change in their communities. Um, so it could be as simple as literally writing a note to the principal of your teacher's school saying, look, you know, I would like my child to hear more stories that are representative of their culture and their community. Or as I said earlier, going to a city council meeting. Um, it's as big as small as you'd like it to be, but there's definitely room for more people to be active in their community to help push these stories and push these, I guess, movements forward. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's take it to kids, youth, uh, bullying, uh, you know, social media, um, you know, your whole uh, collection here, Big Dreamers, does associate with the youth. Uh, but they face so much more, right, than even what we did at their age. How, how do we help them now? Well, what I always say to young kids in regards to bullying specifically, if you see an injustice happening, if you see something happening that you know is not right, you need to speak up. And by speaking up, you're being an activist. So if you see someone in your class that's being treated differently because they wear glasses or something as simple as that, you need to speak to that bully and tell them that is not right, you need to stop. And if that bully then doesn't listen, you need to go to the teacher, you need to go above and, and go to the principal of the school. But you always have to speak up and by speaking up, that's how you make change. Oh, so true. And you know what, kids are smart, but um, for yourself, Akila, have you ever faced any kind of oppression or 
anything that um, uh, yeah sadly i have i have been the victim of, of racism on you know a few occasions unfortunately one too many times uh, i have thick skin though so it, it does obviously hurt within the moment but Unfortunately, there's a lot of ignorant people in this world still. <laughs> so uh, I don't think this is something that's going away anytime soon. Uh, I, I feel like because we saw that there was a president in the United States for four years that was basically emboldening, emboldening sorry, um, bigoted racist people, there was a, a surge <laughs> in, in racist people that were you know loud and proud about their ignorant views. Um, so I mean, I guess it just goes back to activism. We just need more more foot soldiers, more people on the ground that are really um, willing to fight the good fight, essentially. Mm -hmm. And we had touched on Black Lives Matter, and that was definitely a marked point in history for all of us that we won't forget. Where is that movement now, Akila? I think because, you know, we had all those unfortunate news headlines in the spring and summer of 2020, so many people learned about the Black experience and, you know, realized, wait a second, the Black community is not making this up. There are so many injustices that they're experiencing. And we saw that there really were so many allies that basically came and marched arm in arm with us and, and you know, were protesting against these injustices. And I don't think that you know, it was performative. Some was performative, but a lot of it really was coming from a sincere place. So I do feel that because of that, the unfortunate situations in 2020, we, we have brought so many more people together and people are definitely willing to fight more to support BIPOC communities now and to try and, you know, erase these, these injustices that have been going on for far too long. Mm -hmm. And you're right, it's education and, and we all have to do our part whether it's just, you know, willing to, to learn, right? Simply learning yeah. and listening. Listening is so important. Yes. Listening is actually a huge key, I find, because for far too long, people weren't even open to listen to our experience. And now that people are listening and absorbing what, you know, what was going on in the news, they're actually, uh, they actually saw firsthand, like, oh, wait a second, this, this is a huge problem. This needs to be this needs to be changed, essentially. Mm -hmm. So listening and learning, like you said. Yes, and you know, it, it really has opened the eyes to for other cultures uh, that are, you know, doing or having the same kind of oppression too. So it, it all goes around. Um, for you, big dreamers, where do you see it going? Uh, you know, what is your big dream? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so my big dream is to have my books in schools across Canada. I would love for it to be um, a resource for educators, and I'd love for kids in Winnipeg to be using my books in, in the classroom. That's my absolute dream. Uh, I definitely have more products in the works, more books in the works, uh, so I just hope that the company grows and expands and continues to promote, uh, you know, BIPOC stories and, and spreads positivity. Oh, and for you, I know that, okay, we want big dreamers in every school in Canada. That's, that's a no-brainer. Uh -huh. But what does Akila Newton hope for maybe the community as a whole? Yeah, well, I just, I really hope that, you know, the younger generation gets to grow up in 20 years from now, 
they look back on what was going on in 2020 and, you know, they're just horrified. They're just like, how is this happening? And I hope in 2040, you know, they just look back on that. And it's like, oh my God, we're so happy that this isn't happening anymore. I mean, I'm not saying that racism is going to disappear, <laughs> but I, I'm hoping that 20 years from now, just like in, you know, 20, in the year 2000, the year 1980, things keep changing. I mean, when I look back to what my parents had to deal with when they moved from Trinidad to Canada, they experienced so much racism. And for them, you know, 40 years later, they now see how there are so many more opportunities for their, their three children who are dark-skinned Black children. I would like you know, the same thing for the younger generation 20 years from now. I want things to be easier for them. And I want them to be able to achieve all their dreams. I want people to judge them based on their character and not the color of their skin. Oh, well, we can only hope. And with programs and organizations like Big Dreamers, I think the world is going to be a better place. So thank you so much, Akila, for spending this time with us and definitely going to spread the word. Uh, I think maybe I might do a nice little giveaway here for all the parents that are wondering what to do with their kids during spring break. I think what a lovely idea. Uh, but anyways, thank you so much, Akila. Bigdreamers.ca is the website to go to for all the information on what we spoke about here today. And congratulations. We're very proud of all the work you do and please continue. Thank you so much, Akila. Thank you so much. So the Hive is a climbing and fitness facility, so we're bouldering only, which means no ropes or harnesses. We use mats for protection. The four pillars of our business are climbing, education, health and wellness, and community, and those aspects all kind of come together to create like a five-star climbing experience. We have a very special prize giveaway today on Hue at Home. It is a Big Dreamers prize package featuring a coloring book, a book of poetry, stickers, and a whole lot more. All you have to do is send your name and email to hello at ilikehue.com. Now we'd like to give a big thank you to all of our special guests on today's show. And as always, stay safe and healthy, and we'll see you next time on Hue at Home. happens when we play outside we become healthier both mentally and physically we become more creative and more focused we connect with nature each other and ourselves let's take this outside a new podcast hosted by me marianne iveson an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover i speak to athletes outdoor professionals and scientists about their connection to nature how it affects their performance and everyday life Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca. I'm Matt Kundal, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, 
Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.